Hi, and welcome back to another episode of the Peaceful Home Birth Podcast. Today, I have a great interview for you with Chloe. She is a first-time mom who had a breach home birth. She shared her testimony of how she recently became a Christian and how that impacted her life. She also shared about coming out of some new age practices and found the truth. She just has such an impactful story and I'm so excited to share it with you. You're going to have to listen all the way through to hear the plot twist that happened during her birth and if she'd do it all over again. But before I get into the show, I wanted to invite you to a free training on Zoom where I will be teaching you how to find the confidence to birth at home while feeling totally prepared. So I'm going to be sharing the process that I went through after being told I never birth vaginally to overcoming that fear and doubt and having three beautiful, peaceful home births. I want to see my sisters find freedom and experience the gift that birth can be. So find the links, make sure you RSVP in the show notes below this episode and join our Facebook community to post the homework and you're going to be entered to win a fantastic giveaway. So make sure you do that. We'll see you in the training and let's hop into the show. Welcome to the Peaceful Home Birth Podcast, where your journey to a joyful and empowered birth experience begins. I'm your host, Allie McLean, a registered nurse, home birth coach, devoted wife, and proud mother to four incredible kiddos. I've walked the path from trauma to triumph, and I'm here to guide you every step of the way. At the Peaceful Home Birth Podcast, we're more than just a show. We're a community of dreamers, believers, and fearless mothers-to-be. If you're seeking to reclaim your birth story, to transform fear into confidence, and to embrace the beauty of home birth, you found your tribe. My own transformative journey began with a traumatic C-section, propelling me on a quest to uncover the power of home birth, and now I'm on a mission to help you rise above your past, prevent needless C-sections, and stand firmly in the certainty of your dream birth. As a devoted follower of Jesus, I believe that His divine design for birth is inherently good. It is a reflection of His love, strength, and grace. If the dream of home birth has been planted on your heart, know that it's there for a purpose. And I'm here to stand with you as you pursue it wholeheartedly. In a world filled with racing thoughts and doubts, I'm your guide to taking those thoughts captive, making them obedient to Christ and replacing them with the liberating truth. Together, we'll navigate the challenges that lie ahead, finding not only freedom, but also unbridled joy on your path to motherhood. This podcast is a haven for the woman who has faced the darkness of a traumatic birth and has questioned whether home birth is within her reach. Here we shatter those doubts. Join us for illuminating interviews with remarkable birth workers who share our reverence for the sanctity and splendor of birth. Listen to inspiring women as they recount their triumphant birth stories, each a testament to the strength that resides within you. So whether you're just starting to explore the world of home birth or you're already on this radiant journey, the Peaceful Home Birth Podcast is your sanctuary, your wellspring of knowledge, and your unwavering support system. Get ready to be inspired, to be empowered, and to embark on a path that leads you to the birth you've always dreamed of. It's time to experience the Holy Spirit's power, to embrace the beauty of birth, and to create a legacy of love and strength. Are you ready to transform your birth experience? Let's dive in. Hi, Chloe. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to talk with you today. Before we get into our awesome discussion, I just know it's going to be so good. Would you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? So I'm Chloe Merriam. I am a mom of one. I'm a wife. Um, I'm a stay-at-home mom. I currently live in Arkansas. We just moved here. And um, I just enjoy being a keeper of the home. And I'm a newer believer. 
I was baptized in 2020 with my husband. Yeah, I love that. And we had talked a little bit before about your story, but uh, would you, I think it's so encouraging to hear where people have come from and how that's impacted their decisions. So would you just give us a little background, like about your testimony? What happened in 2020? I mean, nothing happened in 2020, right? Like, (laughs) but what happened for you in 2020 that um, really changed your life? So I grew up more or less in like a secular household. And right before 2020, um, I had been coming out of the new age and exploring faith and discovering that I did have a heart for Jesus um, and dedicating my life to him in 2020, everything changed. So um, my husband also at the same time, he became a believer and we were both baptized on the same day. He had a really miraculous conversion. One day he I had been praying for him and trying to lead by example in faith. And he became a believer just in like the snap of a finger. Um, I really believe it was the work of the Holy Spirit. And we then got married. Um, It was a, it was definitely a year for everybody in 2020 when the pandemic happened it really caused us to reevaluate how we had been living um, and where we wanted to go from there. Yeah. Would you give us a little insight about like how you were living? I mean, you mentioned new age practices and that is really something that in the home birth community in the home birth world is everywhere like you see it everywhere and I know that when I was first looking into home birth and I was planning for it I fell down like a lot of those or into a lot of those traps where I'm like well there's like manifestation and like if I just use these certain like I never got into crystals but I was I was so close so close um so would you give us just a little insight about what that was like and also just, you know, your view on health before 2020. I'm interested to hear, um, was there a big switch that happened um, on your mindset around health, your beliefs around health, or what was that like for you? So as for new age practices, I mainly was involved in astrology. I had also engaged in yoga meditation and trying to awaken the kundalini which actually caused a lot of issues for me I believe it was spiritual oppression during that time I did dabble in crystals and I also went down different paths like learning about Hinduism and um, really putting putting a lot of merit into these other faiths and beliefs kind of believing that they would lead me to like all paths lead to enlightenment sort of thing. But now knowing that that's false um, and looking back and realizing how much spiritual darkness I was in, I was having nightmares, panic attacks, um, all sorts of terrible things. And I was also encouraging others to do the same things as me. So that has a ripple effect on other people. Um, our actions have consequences. And so my husband, he actually started becoming interested in some of the things that I was interested in. We weren't married at the time. Um, And he kind of had to also decouple some of his thinking patterns from things like astrology. And he became interested in Norse paganism. And a lot of that, honestly, it's because I encouraged him to look into those things. So, and then as for health, um, I had always been a little bit of a hypochondriac, to be honest. I would go to the doctor very regularly. Um, I 
was on so many rounds of antibiotics because I, I definitely grew up as a sick kid. Um, and we just used all the conventional allopathic medicine. So inhalers, antibiotics. Um, I'd even been on like IV antibiotics and I, there was just a lot. <laughs> I depended on the medical system, definitely. So what was it like when 2020 hit? Is that what the pivotal moment was for you to change your mind on the way you saw health? Was it, uh, did it change? Because you became a believer in 2020. So what was it about that that kind of made you start thinking differently? So the very pivotal moment was looking at the way the world was going and realizing something was so wrong with the lockdowns. In hindsight, now I, I understand that it was like very draconian rule over everybody and an infringement infringement on people's freedoms. But when the pandemic and the lockdowns happened, I immediately started reading Revelation and trying to figure out like, is this the end of the world? It's not, it wasn't the end of the world. Like, we don't know when that's going to happen exactly. There will be signs, but we don't know the exact hour. So I, in my fear and confusion, I turned to the Lord because I had some prior experience with believers and faith previously in my life. And it seemed like the most logical, um, rational thing to turn to. And I, I had slowly been coming to the faith for a few years prior. So it wasn't just like night and day um, where I just suddenly became a believer. But so, yes, during the pandemic, going to my doctor's office, this was, I think, in 2021. Um, and seeing that they had posted on the wall from and this was in Oregon at the time. They posted on the Department of Health in Oregon on the wall in every office that the vaccines were created with fetal human embryonic kidney cells. And so on one hand, I had looked into some of the conspiracy theories online, but on the other hand, it it was it made me take a step back looking at that and seeing, wow. My physician is being open and honest about what is inside of this product. Um, and it, this was before I was pregnant. So I did have time to think about what we wanted to do. Yeah. So let's go. So in 2020, you became a believer. The world starts going crazy and you're like, something's going on. <laughs> then what was it like to get pregnant and during just, I mean, there was so much upheaval. So did, how, how was conception like? What was it like when you finally got pregnant? Tell me a, a little bit about that process. So when I got pregnant, it had taken us a few months to conceive, um, probably about four months. And during that time, um, I had been left with a bad taste in my mouth from my OBGYN. She, so I didn't go see her. When I, I chose to not see her because when she removed my IUD, I expressed fear. I said, I'm fearful <laughs> of having this procedure. And she said, why? Are you afraid of getting pregnant? And I said, no, it's because I'm afraid of the pain of having it removed. Um, and just the way she spoke to me was a little bit demeaning. And she did push the vaccine on me during that appointment, telling me it's safe and effective. Um, she did not have the same post on the wall as my normal doctor did, um, talking about the human embryonic kidney cells. But she... I just felt a little bit disrespected by her um, kind of talking down to me saying, oh, are you scared of getting pregnant? <laughs> but so I, when I got pregnant, um, I did not 
see any provider for probably about four months. And I had considered doing a free birth, but in hindsight, I'm very glad that I didn't. I ended up seeing a midwife um, that was recommended by a friend. And when I first walked into her office, I was almost halfway through my pregnancy and we immediately clicked. And on her website, I saw that she was very open saying, I don't require you to be vaccinated in order to be a client of mine. Um, and then on top of that, I discovered that she was also a believer. And that really made me feel a lot of comfort, especially because many allopathic OBGYNs are very pro-abortion and um, some of them even have worked in a clinical setting performing abortions. So I can't speak for all of them, but I do know that is a thing. So I felt just uncomfortable knowing that I potentially could have gone to the hospital and worked with people who had different beliefs than myself in the most vulnerable time of my life thus far. So my midwife, we, like I said, we really clicked. I felt so supported, loved, and respected by her. And I could just have an open and honest conversation with her. And she was absolutely on the same page with me. Um, and one of the main reasons why we did end up going to a midwife and doing a home birth, even before the pandemic started, was my husband brought it up really before we were married. We were teenagers when we got together and he told me he was interested if he had ever started a family, he would want to look into the option of doing a home birth. So I thought that was really exceptional and interesting. I hadn't even really thought about it at that point. Yeah. Did his family grow up having a home birth or what? Do you know what it was that made him suggest that like right out the bat? Well, he actually did not. Nobody in his family had a home birth. Um, he was born in the hospital and I think he had a vacuum birth. Um, but his family is very natural and they lived on like a homestead. So I think he just had a lot of respect for natural things and the way we were designed, despite not knowing Christ at the time. He believed we were designed a certain way. So it was wonderful to have my husband's support right off the bat. And I didn't, I know a lot of women struggle with having to get their husband on board. And I feel very grateful that he was kind of leading the way with that. Yeah, that's awesome. So your midwife, she was just kind and loving. And what was it that she did that made you feel so comfortable with home birth? Or were you comfortable before? And she was just, how, how was that relationship? Can you talk about that a little bit more? So sitting down in her office, I felt that she really tried to get to know me and speak to me as an individual rather than just a patient or a number and it was so fun every time I visited her in the office we were laughing we she was asking if I wanted tea just making sure I was comfortable um and I really felt like she was my friend and even though our relationship hasn't continued because I haven't pursued it after the birth um it was just a genuine connection and you could tell that she really cared about her work. And she told me that something that really stuck to me. She said, you know how there's a lot of pastors who say, I didn't want to be a pastor, but I felt so called to it that I couldn't say no. She said that's how she felt about being a midwife, that that is her calling. And she couldn't say no to God. And I absolutely saw that in how she cared for us. There is a super, super special bond that can happen at this point of a woman's life with another woman who's attending her. And it is so beautiful. 
And I have had that myself and it has been so impactful on my life. And I just want that for every woman. So I think it's worth exploring and then not settling too. I think there's something to say about not settling for a midwife because she was a very important part of your birth. So would you start um, to go into your birth experience? Uh, What was early labor like? And just paint the picture for us on what your birth experience is like. Okay, so I had a very easy pregnancy. Um, Everything was going awesome. And then we're measuring on track up until about 38 weeks. So my midwife was like checking out my belly and she realized okay your baby doesn't seem like um they have grown we didn't know the gender at this point so we had become concerned because my stomach hadn't grown and in fact it seemed like it had shrunk a little bit like maybe um maybe the baby had dropped or was in a bad position but She was just keeping a close eye on positioning and growth and was really encouraging me to eat a lot. And so I was working on that and it was three days before my due date, we had another appointment and she was feeling my belly again. And she just gave me this look and my heart dropped because I knew something was wrong. I was very scared. I thought maybe something had happened to the baby Um, but I had been feeling him kick. Well, I just spoiled the gender. It was a boy. I had been feeling him kick. Um, and he, he seemed fine, but she, when she gave me the look, she let me know he's breech. So I found out three days before my due date, I have a breech baby and she had not delivered a breech baby yet. Although she had been trained by the leading breach OBGYN, Dr. Stu, Stu yeah. Fishbane. He, he's been on this podcast. He's amazing. I'll have to go back and listen to that. For sure. So she told me she would be confident delivering my breach baby and that it would be her honor to be there if I so, choo- so chose. And she also did let me know if I did not feel comfortable doing a home breach birth that she would be with me every step of the way even if I was having a c-section but really just emphasized putting the choice in mine and my husband's hands and I was so scared (laughs) but I simultaneously knew that I'm called to not walk in fear and that the Lord, he would really just guide us through it as long as we trusted in him. So when I let my husband know that our baby was breached, um, he kind of had to take it in a little bit. We had a couple nights to think about what we wanted to do. Um, And then... We had a couple of ultrasounds. I'd only had one ultrasound up to that point because I wanted to have like very low intervention, but we wanted to make sure the baby was in a good position and in a good position and seemed like he was a good size. And um, because there is contraindication with a small baby, if their body is very small in comparison to their head, then that's a higher risk for head entrapment. And the ultrasounds showed that he was over eight pounds. Um, We later found out that that was very inaccurate. (laughs) He was, he ended up being a lot smaller. So um, during the couple nights before I went into labor, I had listened to some podcasts about breech birth um, and listened to some of the statistics that Dr. Stu had discovered in his own practice with upward of 80% of first-time mothers being able to have a home breach birth and upward of 90% of multi-paras having success in a home breach birth. So I really 
that really encouraged me. Um, and then, so a couple days go by. The day before my due date, I have an ECV. I went into labor that morning, and then in the afternoon I had the ECV. It was just early labor. Um, it was very manageable, very tolerable. I could nap through it, and I knew it was labor when I, when I felt it. It was just a, you know, contractions. You can kind of imagine how they feel. For me, they actually did feel like menstrual cramps, a little bit more intense. But overall, I was tolerating it very well. And then when the ECV, when we went and did that, that was very uncomfortable. And so I met my midwife at her office. And she and another midwife had performed it. But it had failed. So my heart, my son's heart was having decelerations. And it seemed like he wasn't tolerating it very well. And we tried for over 45 minutes. And it was very uncomfortable so my husband was in the office with us and he was just sitting in a chair kind of watching it go down not really he I know he wanted to help more but he was just observing and praying for me and supporting me from afar but when it was over we sat down and had a discussion with the midwife and she asked so do you think you have an idea of what you'd like to do going forward. And she reiterated she would still be comfortable doing a home birth with me. And my husband and I, we both agreed separately. Like we both came to our own conclusion that we wanted to continue and to stay the course and do a home birth. So um, one thing I did forget to mention is that earlier in the day when my contraction started, I had gone down for a nap and I actually heard a voice in my ear, like an audible voice, kind of in the twilight sleep before you fall into deep sleep that said, I am with you. And that's powerful. Yes, I don't really share that much with people but because it seems a little bit strange it's not an everyday thing that you hear <laughs> like an audible voice but I do believe that it was God mm -hmm. and during when it happened I didn't feel scared or like it was unusual I kind of felt an overwhelming comfort come over me and I slipped into sleep mm -hmm. and so anyway that had been my experience that morning and then when the midwife asked us what we wanted to do. I just, I still had this comfort over me and also knowing the statistics for home breech birth were kind of on my side and assuming that the baby was a good size, even though he ended up being so much smaller. So, um, would you that... go back for a second? Sorry. Would you go back and explain to people who don't know what an ECV is, what that is and what like explain the process or how your midwives do it because the way in the hospital they do it I mean a woman gets an epidural and they have a whole thing so when a midwife is doing it could you explain what that was like absolutely so an ECV is an external cephalic version so they will palpate your belly to feel the position of the baby and they will use their hands very gently while you're laying on your back to attempt to flip the baby into a vertex position, so head down. And while the midwife was doing it, I, we were just laying on the couch in her office and they were using a Doppler to observe his heart tones. And... Um, they did use lotion on my belly to help make it more comfortable. There was two midwives there. She called in the midwife who she was trained under so that there could be a couple sets of hands on my belly. And it is painful. It's like a very, very deep tissue massage. Some women, they experience little to no discomfort. But for me, I did um, experience a significant amount of discomfort. And they also let me know that 
they could stop whenever I wanted and just to let them know if I was um, really uncomfortable. So we ended up stopping after a while and um, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for that. I think it's a, it's good to know, like there are options, but sometimes like babies just want to be born breech, like for whatever reason. And I don't know if you know, like the reason that he stayed breech, but it is interesting sometimes to see, like they just choose that position. And so during an ECV, like it's not comfortable for mom, the baby doesn't tolerate it well. And so sometimes just leaving it alone and letting baby come the way that they originally wanted to is uh, sometimes best, which is really interesting to hear the experiences of that. So you had the ECV done, you were in early labor, which I'm sure probably didn't help with the version either with your uterus contracting. But when you left that appointment, what was going through your head? So what was going through my mind was I can't believe I'm having a breech baby. I had been wrestling with that for the last couple of days. It's something that you hear about, but you don't really think it's going to happen to you. And I had actually known a couple of people who had breech babies and went on to have um, surgical births. And so really that night, I, I kind of just accepted what was happening. Like no amount of, no amount of inversions would help. No amount of ECVs. Um, I tried getting into a chiropractor, but they were booked up. So I couldn't even get like a last minute adjustment to see if it would help. So we, and then at the same time, my mind started going into labor land where you don't really care and you're not thinking about external things anymore. You're just worried about being comfortable. Your mind is starting to focus on labor. And at that point, a lot of the fear had gone away. Um, and one thing that I should also mention is I, I had um, had a discussion with Audrey Ross. You had her on your show because she had a breech baby and I knew her personally. I'd met her in person um, through church and she really encouraged me and told me, hey, this is a variation of normal. Your baby is breech for a reason. Um, the Lord is with you you can do it. And she, I watched her, um, well, I looked at her blog post on her breach birth and that really was an encouragement. And then a couple of my other friends also were just praying for me and telling me, um, just trust the Lord. Everything will turn out okay if you trust the Lord. And even if things are difficult or things don't turn out all right, there's a reason why the Lord ordained certain things to happen. And we can choose to grow through that. Yeah, that's an encouraging place to be when you're planning a birth, right? That I mean, that's surrender right there. Like, I'm going to take the next steps. I'm going to walk in this decision that I feel peace about, knowing that I'm not in control of outcomes. But it, no matter what, like, there's always a positive outcome. Either, like, I do experience the birth that is on my heart and I'm dreaming for, or I don't, but the Lord is with me and he's growing my character. I mean, there's so much promise no matter what happens. And that's why Christians can have such joy and peace no matter the circumstances in their life. So I, I love that you were able to get to the mindset. And also when you are going to, into labor land, it's so funny how fear just like kind of melts away. You're, you get into it. And I know a lot of first time moms are like, they hype themselves up about, oh my gosh, am I going to be able to handle the pain? Am I going to, you know, and they, they fear so much, but I just keep encouraging them. Like when it gets to that point, that just kind of melts away and you just do it. Like, that's just how we were designed. You just do it. So you are, when do you hit active labor? What was that like? How are you handling that? Um, can you explain so I naturally have a very low pain tolerance. 
but during labor, I absolutely felt like it was so productive. I was able to tolerate it. I felt almost no fear. And it was probably the highlight of my birth, being an active labor, um, aside from actually meeting the baby. And I, we were at home laboring. We were watching Fiddler on the Roof, which was kind of a weird movie to watch during active labor because it was almost like a fever dream listening to the musical numbers being in labor. And it was just strange, but such a great time. So um, around 11 o'clock at night, things really started picking up and I, I decided to go to bed and go to sleep so I could get energy. I just innately knew that I needed energy. So I go to sleep and I'm able to sleep for an hour or two. And by the time I wake up, my contractions were like three minutes apart. So we we call the midwife and she's there within 30 minutes. It's past midnight at this point. And she sets up her kit in the living room and I'm laboring in bed. We did want to have a water birth initially, but then we decided not to do that when we found out the baby was breached. So I'm laboring in bed. I'm switching positions a lot. I had back labor, but it wasn't the severe back labor that you hear about women with sunny side up babies having. It was it was just normal labor, but really focused in my back. So my husband was holding a heating pad on my back. That helped so much. That to me was like such a relief. Um, next time we're in labor, I definitely will have a heating pad in my kit again. And then really just holding my husband's hand and being in a dark, quiet room in the comfort of my home, I was actually pretty comfortable despite the discomfort of feeling contractions. Yeah, that's awesome. I love when you get into that zone there. So what happens when you hit transition? So during transition, my, my, let's see, my water hadn't broken, but I had started feeling very nauseated. Um, I had been sipping on like lemonade mixed with water. So keeping my fluids up, but um, I became very nauseated and drinking water didn't seem to be helping. And then I did vomit a couple times. And then, yeah, the contractions did pick up. And I remember laying back in bed after vomiting and just feeling like I needed to rest more. And then feeling my water break. That was kind of exciting because I knew we were progressing. And um, my midwife came in and my husband had let her know that I had vomited and that my water had broken and she essentially was like wow this is going pretty quickly and she said that she didn't hear me vomiting and she didn't realize because <laughs> she she had been in the living room giving us space because that's kind of what I wanted and I do think having my own space really helped things progress so she was absolutely hands-off until I was basically complete and ready to push. Yeah. Um, so you're pushing and this is where it gets, people don't know what's coming. I know what's coming and I'm so excited for you to talk about it. So you're complete. She comes in. Then what happens? So she listens to his heart tones more to make sure that he's tolerating labor and like the really strong contractions well. And so I actually start getting a very strong urge to push. And the midwife is observing me and my husband's there encouraging me. And then there's actually a midwife assistant who's observing, which um, I barely even noticed her. She was just in the corner watching. But so I get the urge to push, to push and I am pushing and pushing and at this point, it was probably like almost 6 a.m. And I had only pushed in totality for less than an hour. 
before he was born, but his foot comes out first and then his other foot. And then I keep pushing and I can actually, like I can feel his body out of me. And with a breech birth, it can be tricky um, just with, like their bottom can be the most narrow part of their body. And then it's the widest can be their shoulders and their head which is what we experienced. So um, his feet came out first, then his torso, and then up to his shoulders. And I actually tore at that point. I had a second degree tear because his arm kind of got stuck a little bit. And then it came to his head and his head was so deep in my pelvis, in my birth canal, that I didn't have like the core muscles to continue pushing and his body was so much smaller than his head so he did get stuck and that was a very that was scary and I felt like I truly met God in that moment I had never done this before but I really like receded deeply into myself not like dissociating but really going within my spirit and within my mind during that time when I'm like, Lord, I do not have the strength to push this baby out. What will happen? Will Do I know if he's going to make it? I didn't know at that point. And at that point, unfortunately, some negative thoughts were coming into my mind and fears. And, um, but I, around me, my husband, he was praying over me and like, um, the midwife was strongly encouraging me, push, you have to push. Like, it is so important to continue pushing right now. But my husband was praying over us and calling on the name of the Lord. And, oh, man, it was really intense. But I pushed as hard as I humanly could. And I actually let out, like, an ear-piercing scream because I was so afraid and I had never screamed like that before in my life. And I was actually living in townhouses. So I'm sure that someone heard me. Um, but I screamed and then the midwife told the assistant midwife, call the EMS. Um, and then moments later, she did a maneuver that um, really, I, I believe, in that moment I needed her to help me so she actually as gently as she could inserted a gloved hand um, into the birth canal and just dislodged his head very gently and he came out um, and we didn't hear crying he was quiet so at this point I was facing away from him I was facing the headboard and everyone was behind me so um I was just hunched over recovering and really afraid to turn around not knowing the condition of my child and then I heard the assistant midwife say he has a heartbeat so then my spirits immediately lifted I'm like okay that's a good sign um, and then my midwife begins to resuscitate him. So it only took a couple of breaths and then he cried and began to have color. And, um, when he was born, his cord was wrapped around him about three to five times. Later, we found out the midwife said, this is the longest cord we had ever seen. It was over three and a half feet long. And we believe this was why he was breached. He wrapped his cord around himself so many times to preserve his life so that he wouldn't have a cord prolapse. And here's the kicker with the cord. When my mom was in labor with me, I was a cord prolapse baby. So it, yes. Yeah, so there's a genetic component, some people theorize with having super long cords 
Um, and my life when I was born was saved by a nurse who had been trained to like reinsert the cord back into the cervix. So mm -hmm. yeah, that it all made sense at that point. Um, so she resuscitated him. He started crying. My husband was the first to hold him because I was in such a state that I couldn't I couldn't turn around and hold him yet. I just needed to recover. Um, he was holding the baby. The EMS arrived. And at that point, we had a, a pink baby who was perfectly fine. And um, I mean, he had a low APGAR score, but his recovery was so quick because we did delayed cord clamping. Um, and he, the EMS checked him out while I was holding him. And basically, they said, well, he seems fine, and congratulations, we're going to go. <laughs> so they left. Um, and really, at that point, I was just meeting my baby, and I was crying and telling him how much I loved him and kissing him, and he was so perfect. But I was so grateful that everything turned out okay. Um, I did have some lasting mental difficulties after that birth though. Yeah. I mean, that's a, it's a hard thing to go through. I, and scary. Like when you get to that point, how long was the head trap for? Do you know? So the head entrapment, it was, it only lasted a couple minutes, but when you're in the moment, you yeah. don't know if it's been 10 seconds or an hour because it's like so scary. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then seeing the resuscitation and that, that in and of itself is something that it feels really scary to watch. Um, especially when it's your own child. So yes, I can imagine that there was some lasting things that, you know, you've had to work through. Um, but how was your, once that kind of settled down, because I'm sure for the next couple of days, you were kind of on high alert, I'm assuming. <laughs> Would you talk about that transition into your postpartum? What was that like? What kind of support did you have? Um, yeah, just how was your transition into motherhood? So really the first few days of postpartum I felt like my body had been hit by a truck and um really just trying to come to terms with what had happened and realizing I did not have this picture perfect peaceful home birth but at the same time God ordained it for a reason and almost immediately I ordered a Bible, like a new study Bible, because I'm like, I really need to, I really need to know more about the Lord because I had been baptized, but a lot of it was very surface level relationship with God. And um, during my birth, I really realized that the way that my baby was completely helpless in that moment, that's how we are without God and I also realized like God is the reason why <laughs> things turned out the way they did um so just really relying on him during the postpartum period and then as for support my midwife and the assistant midwife they were amazing they made us food they cleaned everything up um like on the first day after birth, they stayed for quite a while longer just to support us, knowing that it was a difficult birth. And then um, in the afternoon, they left and my mom came and she made us food. She was doing laundry. She was helping with diapers. She was helping with like nursing and all that because my mom was pretty experienced with all that. And my husband also, he just... I mean, I was blown away with how much he stepped in, like holding him when I felt too 
week two or too tired or changing all the diapers. He changed all the diapers for the first couple days and bringing me food and just being such a wonderful support. So, and we really grew together as a couple through that experience. And both of our relationships definitely deepened um, with one another and with God. It's beautiful, 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 impactful story. Thank you so much for sharing because that's something that I, I don't know if everybody realizes, but like a birth story and a testimony, that's like something that is so deep. Um, So I just so appreciate you sharing that with people because I I believe so much when I was hearing this story that it was going to impact another woman out there like there's somebody that your story she's gonna look back on and be like yeah I listened to Chloe's story and that really encouraged me or that you know really changed my life so we don't know how God uses everything but he does like he does use everything for his glory and our good and I just love that So do you have any um, last words of encouragement for any woman out there who is being, getting prepared to have a home birth or any last words that you have any message for us? Yeah. So I wanted to just say that even if a birth is not like the picture perfect ideal that is often put out there like on social media or other ways of communication um it's still a valid birth and it's still good um I don't really know how else to put it but things don't have to be perfect in order to be a glorification to God and I also want to say that breach birth at home is possible. Um, Listen to the statistics, do research. Dr. Stu is a wonderful resource for that. And it's a variation of normal. I wish that more people would have less stigma against it, but it starts with us talking about it. Yes, 100%. So last question, would you do it again? Or would you have chosen a C-section after all of that? So after all of that, I absolutely would have chosen to do a home birth again. Um, For the main reason of uh, complications during C-sections can happen, it's rare, but rare things happen to me and rare things happen to other people. So my son is now over a year old and he's perfectly healthy he didn't have any long-lasting effects from the breech birth and really all it took was extra time for me to heal from that experience yeah well thank you so much Chloe for coming on I appreciate it thank you so much Allie I hope you loved today's episode and found it so helpful and encouraging. If you did, would you take 30 seconds to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or send this episode to a friend who has been praying for a peaceful home birth? Lastly, make sure you get my free download of my complete home birth essentials checklist. Make sure you have everything ready to go so you're able to feel at peace and confidence leading into your home birth. This printable checklist has all of the important but less glamorous or thought of items that I have found to be so incredibly helpful to have at a home birth after working with many clients in person. Now get it by clicking the link in the show notes. And as always, thanks for listening and peace be with you.